0: Hello, and welcome to ConnectPoint's podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much, and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. He said ask. He told us to ask, so there's nothing wrong with praying, there's nothing wrong with asking. The only time we get ourselves in trouble is when things don't work out our way and we begin to whine and complain. That's where we get into some trouble, right? We believe God's in control. I want to continue tonight in our series of becoming a connect point. Amen. I think this is valuable. This is something valuable to spend some time and energy on tonight. This series is is proving to be uh, bigger perhaps even than what we thought and God has continued to kind of work with me on this and still in progress, still in process. I don't know what the end result looks like yet but we're, we're getting focused more. We're reconnecting with the New Testament church and the house to house and in the temple and daily, right? Right? We've been reconnecting with the the massive amount of time that the New Testament church spent together. Everybody say together. Together. Not because they were forced to. They wanted to be together. Not because it was on the calendar and they had to try to fit it in. They wanted to be together. They were together. Not only were they together, but they were together and they were united. Everybody say united They had a unity. They had a common uh, goal in mind. Amen. And that brought a lot of power into their lives. And they enjoyed fellowship. And they enjoyed breaking bread. And they enjoyed participating in the temple worship and in house-to-house worship. And they were people of prayer. I'm just doing a quick little, little... recap here. They were people of prayer. They were people that would pray anywhere, at any time, over anything, no matter who was around. Right? We looked at that. People of prayer. They liked the Word. They liked to hear the Word. They liked to talk about the Word. They wanted to study the Word. They wanted to converse about the Word. They wanted to tell each other about what they learned about the Word. Right? They. It was. A, it was a valuable thing to them. Amen. And so all of these um, different aspects of the New Testament church, amen, that made it so pivotal and made it so powerful, amen. When the Spirit of God filled the, those people and that church began to form in its infancy, it was not, it was not powerless becoming more powerful with every year that came by. It started out with the power, you understand what I'm saying? It didn't start out as this small little thing that was weak, and 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 you know every year that goes by we get a little bit more powerful and we get a little bit more figured out. No, that's not what happened. It started out with the power, and I believe that it started out, uh, Amen, perfect in God's design and in God's will. Amen, and so we're not looking back at Acts and saying, oh, look at that little church and oh, look how they did things and man, I bet they wish they could have what we have today. No, we're looking back at that saying we want to get more of what they had today. (laughs) Amen. More of what they were experiencing today. Now, I understand that if you take the entire apostolic one God holy church that exists around the world today, that we see more amen, in any given week happening around the world than probably what they were seeing, amen, in in, in some of those early days of the church. I get that. I understand that. But we're not looking at it that way. We're looking at it, what are we seeing here where we are, where we are the apostolic witness, what do we want to see, amen? And so that's our goal. So becoming a connect point. The goal is shaping up to have a connect point, to have connect point house churches reaching our communities. Now, I'm going to say it that way with you giving me permission that I don't know exactly how that's defined yet, but to have connect point house churches reaching our community, that we would be prepared in case of future shutdowns in case that we ever deal with true persecution against the church that we would be positioned to better reflect the new testament church of in the temple and house to house we are not looking to start more churches so to speak in the in the Uh, replication of what we may do here where we need more pastors and more Sunday school teachers and more music leaders and more buildings and we need more money and we have to do all that. We're not looking to do that. We are not looking to simply duplicate the church in our home in its entirety. We want to be better equipped to fellowship, worship, and evangelize we want to have connect points that are effective tools to fulfill the commission that we've been given by God amen Amen. so this is the general direction that we are moving in but attending the temple this house church this church the house of God attending the temple just because we attend here doesn't mean we are specifically ready to open up our homes and be a house church. Because it takes more than just, well, I, this is the church I go to, so I guess that means I can start a house church now. Amen? It takes more than that. It takes more than just personal desire. Say, well, that's what I want to do, so that's what I'm going to do. There are things that we need to know before we would endeavor to do this and to do it effectively. There are some things that we need to know. There are elements that are drastically different from the temple to the house, right? These are very, very different environments in some ways, and we need to think about that a little bit. The most major probably being that somebody lives in your house You see there's something about we enjoy the peace and protection, the tranquility, the atmosphere of this place, of this church. When you walk in here, there's something special about this environment Amen, because this is 100% of the time a place where Jesus is being lifted up, ministry is taking place, and God is getting the glory. This place has been dedicated to the work of God. Amen. Amen. It has been dedicated and committed to the glory of God. And so our homes are going to take some more work to accomplish that kind of environment. Amen. <laughs> so the question is, what does a home need to be to be an effective connect point? And I want to just look at some biblical stuff tonight. Uh, we've spent almost all of our time in this series in the book of Acts. Tonight I'm going to be using a lot, the, a lot of the Bible. But let's look at some scriptures. First of all, let's go all the way to Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. Now, these are the commandments the statutes and the judgments, which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee. Thou and thy son, and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that you may increase mightily, as the Lord God of the fathers has promised thee, in the land that flows with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. So it's quite a list, isn't it? First, he says that there's we have to have an understanding of who God is. He says that we have to have a willingness to submit to his commandments, to his statutes, to his judgments. He says you're going to have to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, soul, and might. That we would have these things in our heart, not just in our head, but in our heart. That we would already teach them diligently unto our children. That that would be something that's happening in our homes. The things of God that we we know and have learned would be in our conversation. That they would be a part of our conversation in our homes, routinely, and outside of our homes, routinely. That the things of God should be understood as a part of our lives. That people who know us know we're people of God. Amen that people around us can feel the love of God, can see a representation of God in us, these are things that he says they should have, and he says, and I want you to understand that these commandments and these statutes and judgments and this love and this heart relationship and all this, how you raise your kids and what's happening in your home, he says, I want all of this, uh, he says, to be understood, and, I, and, and it should be something people can see. And, and Deuteronomy 6 and 9, thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. Now, this is not like something like you might see other, um, other spiritualists do that somehow this is going to ward off evil spirits or that this is, this is, this is not how we wave our religious flag so that our neighbors, uh, know who we are. This is representative and illustrative of wanting to please God with our homes. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I want your home to be a place that's pleasing unto me, a place that brings me glory, a place that brings me honor. And I want you to know that and live in that when you're walking in your home and when you're walking out of your home. And the people who go by your home, it needs to be a representative of, of something that loves God and what is pleasing to God. No, I'm not saying it's, it's not a bad thing to have scriptures in your home, around your home. It's not a bad thing. Some people like to put stuff right by the entryway of their door. I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying we just got to look at it correctly. My wife, when, it, um, I don't know if we have to do it at the new house, but at the old house, there was a lot of ways for things to get in. Bugs. And so we discovered the home defense system. The spray. You spring, you walk around, and you spray the entire outside of the house with the bug defense system. I don't know if it works. But you give it a shot. That's not what this is. This isn't our bug defense system. So, you know, I'm going to put this up on here, and I'm going to put this on the wall here, and I'm going to put this by the door here, and put this out by the, the gate so that the demons can't get me. No, this is about what's actually happening in here. Now, if you want to, now you can wave the Christian flag put some, I'm not saying, don't, you can't do it. I'm saying get the purpose right. because it's about what our relationship with God is It's about what our homes represent, not just to man, but to God. Remember what Jesus said in John 8? Then Jesus said to the Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Right? He says, If you continue in my word. That means to abide, to dwell. It's only when we receive the truth, love the truth, keep the truth, walk in the truth, that we are genuine disciples of Jesus Christ. It's when we are living it that it makes us free, and when we become his disciples. And it takes disciples to make disciples, and disciples are disciples every day. How do you like that sentence? (laughs) It takes disciples to make disciples, and disciples are disciples every day, all the time. Not just when we choose to be, when we want to be, when we want to be recognized as someone who is. At home, at work, at church, at store, at the school, at the playground, walking around the neighborhood. Right? We go back to Joshua's day and beyond. Look at this. We find this sentiment in the scripture. Look at Joshua 24. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You, you do you. You do what you got to do whatever you wanna do. But as for me and my house, Joshua declares, choose you this day whom you will serve, ye will serve. He then, the God-called leader, speaks and says, but as for me and my house, right? So when he says, choose ye this day whom you will serve, we can kind of assume that he's talking to leaders of households and saying, you need to decide as the leader of your household what you're going to do. Because as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen. We're going to serve the Lord. He was the leader of all of Israel, but he was also the leader of his home. Amen. And you can't be the leader of all of Israel if you're not the leader of your own home. You can't be the disciple maker of your neighborhood if you're not discipling your own people and your own house. Somebody say amen. amen. Part of what that meant was in his home, they had put away the gods that his forefathers may have served. That in his home, they saw him and they understood that he feared the Lord. And they understood that, they, that, that, that he served the Lord in sincerity and in truth. They knew this about him in his home. Right? Amen. They knew this about him in his home. Look at 2 Samuel. King David sits in his house and he's sitting in his beautiful house as the king is there with the prophet Nathan. And he's kind of saddened because he wants to build God a house. 2 Samuel 7, 1 and 2. And it came to pass when the king sat in his house that the Lord had given him rest roundabout from all of his enemies. That the king said unto Nathan, the prophet, see now. I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. He says, I got this big, strong, beautiful house. And God's presence is within curtains. And God responds to this desire of David's heart using Nathan the prophet, he speaks to David in 2 Samuel 7:12-16. And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee. So when you're dead and you've gone on, your children, I'm going to set your children up, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish this kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom. Everybody see it? And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. Forever. Notice David's desire to build God a house led to David's own house being greatly blessed. Because it was in his heart to build God a house. God responded by blessing David's house. Your son says, he says, Your son's gonna build my house. You can't do it, your son's gonna build my house and I will establish him. And I will correct him when he needs correcting, but my mercy will never depart from him. And I will establish your throne. And God tells David through Nathan, and thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Hear me when I say this tonight. Our attitude towards the house of God directly affects God's attitude towards our house. You say, well, why why are we talking about that? I'll tell you why we're talking about that. We don't want to be a connect point house church so that we can get away from this church. I sure hope I can start one of them house churches so I don't have to go to the other services. We want the church, we want the temple to be highly blessed and highly effective just as we want God to bless our home. So that it could be effective for ministry. But the two are connected. What we feel about this place, how bad we want to be in this place, how much our heart is in this place, what we'll sacrifice for this place has a direct effect of what God's going to do for our homes. So if we desire to be or be a house church or participate in a house church because we just want to hang out with our favorite people and we like the idea of some snacks and couches with reclining positions and not having to dress up and getting done quicker or maybe it's going to free up our calendar somehow. If that's why we're excited about Connect Point house churches, then we're missing the point of the whole thing. We're missing the point. We're not looking for ways to have less time in church. In fact, we remember Hebrews 10, 24, 25. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. More, not less. More is what's needed, not less. But also to reconnect with the broader temple and house-to-house model. Amen. But our motives have to be right. This is what God's talking to me about right now. I'm I'm just telling you things he's telling me. Our motives have to be right. The reason we do things matter to the success of it. And if, any, if there's anything in our drive or anything in our motivation or anything that's basically just thinking that somehow we're going to make our lives easier, then we're missing it. I don't, that's not what the Scripture tells us. It's not, hey, follow me so I can make your life easier. It's, You want to be my disciple, take up your cross and follow me, right? So David and his household were blessed, and David would write this to his son Solomon in Psalm 127, a song of degrees for Solomon. What's he say? Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain our homes being effective places of ministry is not just about signing up unless the lord builds it our efforts to be effective are not going to prosper This is why that when I first started talking about this, I don't know how many weeks ago now, this is why I couldn't just put a sign-up sheet in the back and say, if you want to start a Connect Point House Church, sign your name up here, we're going to start. This is why. Because we have to understand what we're getting into. We have to understand what the expectation is. We have to understand that unless God builds it, it's going to be a waste of time. I don't want to just follow somebody else's program. I don't want to just do somebody else's thing. We need God to build it for this area where we live and the people we're trying to reach. We need God to build an effective mode of ministry from our homes. Oh, hallelujah. Young Solomon eventually becomes King Solomon, and he goes on to write in Proverbs 3.33, the curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but he blesseth the habitation of the just. He blesseth the habitation. One commentary, Terry, said it like this. The blessing comes by God making all things work together for good. I don't want to start house churches up and everything just falls apart. I don't want somebody to come and say, Pastor, I've been feeling it. I want to, I want to be a part of this program. I want to reach my neighborhood. And they have one event and say, You know, I didn't, I, it was not, this isn't for me. I don't want to throw an ounce of hope into a neighborhood and then pull it out again. And he says, so the, the blessing of God comes in making all things work together for good. The blessing of God is, I'm still talking this commentary now, is upon the table of the just, upon their sorrows, upon their toils, upon their families. In a word, it's upon their souls. They are blessed with peace and light and liberty, with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. The blessing, uh, the habitation of the just is blessed of God. We need our habitation to be blessed. Amen. Now, n- whether or not you ever do anything in your home or not, I hope you're paying attention. Because this is really what apostolic homes should be, whether you ever do anything organized out of your home or not. And we should want our habitation to be blessed. Amen. So what, what, what this is saying here is that there is, there is a curse of the Lord that is upon the house of the wicked. But there's also a blessing of God that is upon the house of the just. And so it matters, and he's ready to do his part, but we got to be ready to do ours. Because everybody has a role to play. Amen. Everybody has a role to play in the success of the temple, and everybody in the house has a role to play in the success of the house. I'll just give you one illustration of that and I'm not even gonna dig into it. You can study it out if you want but Proverbs 14 and one says, every wise woman buildeth her house but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. So I'm, I'm not gonna jump on the fact that that's specifically to women because there's a, you can find other verses for other people. So you can go ahead. But I'll say this, men, women, kids, teenagers, whatever, you can be a help or a hindrance. You can be a blesser or a detractor. You're going to have an effect on the home. Amen? You're going to have an effect on the home. And these are things that we have to consider. We have to consider these things because we're talking about opening our homes as places of evangelism, as places of fellowship, as places of ministry, as places of teaching where people can connect to Jesus Christ in a very real level. We're talking about opening our homes to places where we can sit down on the, conver- on the couch and have a, a conversation about Jesus Christ with a Bible open, and we can go into a time of prayer and somebody could repent of their sins and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost right there sitting in our living rooms. We're talking about very real apostolic things happening in our homes. But I'm just trying to get a point across tonight there is something that we have to understand, that we're on our home playing field when we're in here. Amen. I, people ask me from time to time, do you think the devil was messing with service tonight?" No. I don't think the devil's anywhere near this place. I don't think demons are anywhere near this place. You said, well, we had some guests. I don't think they get to walk in with them. I don't. I don't believe that. I believe if somebody's got evil going on in their life and demons walking around with them, when they walk through that door, the demons got to get away. Amen. This is a powerful place. This is a place where the name of Jesus has been established. He's got a throne here. There's no question about his throne here. There's no question about his authority here. Everybody knows who's in charge here. God's in charge. Jesus is the head of this place. There's no doubt about that. There's nobody walking around thinking that they're running the show. Jesus is in control. And we have the liberty and the power and the unity of the spirit when we walk into this place. It's home field advantage in here. How do we get that in our home? We talked about this when we were talking about prayer. And we all mutually agreed. I said it and you nodded your heads. That's what I mean by that. But I, can, I could, almost at any time, I could say, you know what, let's gather around the altar and let's pray. And you would just be like, okay. And you'd come up. The majority of people would come up. The majority of people would pray. No problem. But yet it's somehow difficult, challenging, weird, awkward if we're sitting with two or three families in a living room and somebody says, you know what, I think maybe we should all just, let's just have a little prayer meeting here. And everyone gets, right now? Like we're just going to do it now, like right here? <laughs> Out loud? That's got to change. It has to change. Has to. If, we're, if we think we're going to do effective ministry in our homes where new people and coworkers and neighbors and people that have never even been in here are going to walk into our homes and have eternity-altering experiences with God, we better at least be comfortable with the idea of praying together. So we can be a help or a hindrance. It says that the wise can build up her house, but the foolish with her own hands can tear it down. Proverbs 24, 3 and 4, through wisdom is a house builded, and by understanding, it is established. And by knowledge, shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. It takes wisdom to build a house. It takes understanding to establish a house. That means to make it useful for what it is, for its purpose. And it takes knowledge for it to be blessed With having riches. Now, I want to clarify something here because I'm going to make a point. The Bible uses the word here, precious and pleasant riches. But when you look up that phrase, it basically means you're blessed with having enough. Okay, I need you to get that. Because we don't have to be the nicest house in the church, nobody's asking you to have the biggest house in the church. We don't have to have wealth so that we can carry everyone else and provide for everyone else. And, and because we have it, everybody has to come to our house so we can take care of it. We always have to do it because we have the wealth or we have the thing or we have the place. The New Testament house to house activity was not about who had the most money. It wasn't about who had the nicest home. That's not what it was about. It wasn't even their way of the richer people taking care of the poorer people. That's not what this house to house was about. The Bible says that you have enough. Amen. You have enough. That's all you need is to have enough. God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. Amen. And the greatest thing that we're going to need is for God to make us effective in our homes. Well, honey, Pastor wants us to start a house church, so put the for sale sign up. We got to go buy a bigger place. We got to go, we got to double the square footage at least. In fact, we should probably add on a chapel. I wonder how much some chairs cost. We're gonna need a sound system. (laughs) I'll build myself a platform. Get me a night, right? That's not what it's about. It's not about. If you you're you're doing ministry out of your home, maybe in your home you could you could have two or three people, or maybe you could have twenty people. Don't make that's not the difference. The difference is, is are those two and three people being ministered to? Are they having effective ministry happening? Are they hearing about God, learning about God, growing in God, and being and encountering God in our home? That's what matters. Right. Amen. 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 So his you have the wisdom to build a house. You have to have the understanding to establish it for what it is, but you also have the knowledge for it to be blessed with having, amen, God's blessing upon it. We, see, we know the idea of making a house a home. We, we, we've heard that phrase, right? Yeah. Now you've got to make the house a home. That's a great thing. That's a wonderful thing. We also need to know how to make our home God's home because you could make a house a home and not have God involved in it at all. So we want to make a house, a home, and then we want to make our home God's home, but we also need to then strive to make our home a connect point where others can meet God. We want it to be a place where God is comfortable and where others would be comfortable to meet God. Oh, hallelujah. Can I tell you? I I think if we knew if God would open our eyes, we would probably be devastated by the amount of people that would love to meet God, but they don't want to come here to do it. They'll come here after they meet him because after they meet him, they're going to be pumped. But right now, they want to meet God, but they don't want to walk into a church to meet him. In the temple and house to house. Right? The home is where everything begins. Look at Matthew 5, 14, 16. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. So it's talking about being the light of the world, but then he gives an illustration of a candlestick, and he says the candlestick lights up the house. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. How am I supposed to do that? In your home. It starts in your home. If I'm not a light in my home, if I can't sit in my living room or around my dining room table or whatever you got going on, if you can't sit there and be a light to somebody in, your, in that experience, then how are we going to leave our homes and be a light? How are we going to be a city set up on a hill that cannot be hid when we're hidden in our own house? It begins in the home. And in this dark hour that we're living in today, our homes need to be sources of light. The light that others see in our homes will bring glory to God. It will do what it's called to do if we will be what we're called to be. And as things get dramatically more intense in our world, a house that is built upon a rock, he says, that's going to be a thing of witness. A house built upon a rock that when the wind blows and the waves waves crash and the rain falls and it stands, it's going to be a witness. Right? But it actually has to be built upon a rock. We can't just talk about it being built upon a rock. We can't just say it's built upon a rock. It actually has to be built upon a rock. Strong biblical foundations can support homes that are used to minister to lost souls. If you have strong biblical foundations in your home, it doesn't matter what kind of junk walks into your home, your home can handle it. Amen. Your home... Can handle it. Strong, Bible-focused families will stand united and they'll stand and survive the test of time if they're Bible-focused. God's at the center. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 25, and Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them: Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Strong biblical foundation, strong united families. You say, well, I'm the only person that lives in my house. Well, I hope you and the voices in your head agree. (laughs) It's a good thing when you can agree with the voices in your head. Every city or house divided against itself shall not stand, Jesus said. Matthew 13, Jesus goes out under the seaside. This is really interesting to me. Look at this. Jesus goes out to the seaside where the multitudes are. Everybody's out there. So he goes there. And he speaks to them in, in all these parables in Matthew 13. The sower and the seed, the weed and the weeds, uh, the mustard seed and the leaven. He's given them all these parables. It was, it was his way of communicating with the masses of people. Right? It, I, I, there's a lot of discussion as to why he did that. He mentions a couple things. I think part of it is, is that, that when he spoke these parables, it started discussions. I think it caused people to talk to each other about what he just said. And that's what he wanted. I want, he wanted them to go away talking about what they had just heard. Wanting, it created a desire to want more. Okay? Okay? But then notice what happens next. This is very interesting to me in Matthew 13, 36. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. Tell us what this means. It was in the house that Jesus goes deeper into what the parables meant. When he was out by the seashore with the masses and the multitudes, he just told these wonderful parables and, and, and gave these illustrations, these story kind of uh, illustrations so that people could grasp a hold of what he was saying and hopefully they would want more about it. But when he got in the house with his disciples, he begins to dig deeper, a smaller setting with less people, and he goes deeper because he's growing disciples. Is growing disciples in the house. This isn't the masses. This isn't the, the church block party or we're gonna, we're gonna set up a thing outside and invite a bunch of people. It, it, this, isn't, this isn't even, frankly, some of our big services where we just do a lot of big stuff and we get a bunch of people to come and, and, and we're just trying to taste and see that the Lord is good. We wanna connect with them, get them to come back. That's powerful, that's very good, that's necessary, that's part of how you grow a church. But when you're making making disciples, you gotta get smaller group, you gotta get more detailed, you gotta dig into it a little bit more. And when he's with his disciples, he even goes further and he explains that parable, but then he talks about the treasure in the field. And then he talks about the pearl of great value. And then he talks about the net and the fish. He's going deeper and he's telling them more and he's getting more detail. And then Jesus says, look at this now, then Jesus says in Matthew 13, 51, 52, have you understood all these things? And they say unto him, yea, Lord, we get it now. We understand what you were talking about. We heard you say it out there, and now we heard you say it in here, and you've talked about it some more, and we get it, we get it. And then said he unto them, Therefore, every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is a householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and things old." Jesus is saying here that once they say to him, he says, do you understand now what I'm talking about? And once they say, yes, we understand, Jesus then gives them direction. He says, now you have been instructed, means you've been taught. It means you've been discipled, the word means. It means now you've been instructed and now you are a householder. He's saying you're the master of the house. So now it's your responsibility to bring forth that which you have Learned, and you need to share it as a treasure to others who have not learned it yet. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus is talking to the masses, and he's telling them wonderful parables, and he's trying to get them to think about it and learn. But then he takes the disciples into the house, uh, people who wanted more, people who wanted to get more out of it. He takes them into the house. they, They ask questions. He answers questions. They talk. He talks. He tells them more about these things. And then he says, do you get it? And they say, yeah. And he said, okay, now that you get it, you need to go tell somebody else about it. Because now you're a householder and you've been instructed and so you need to use the house. Oh, hallelujah. And bring forth out of what you have now in your house. I've been putting things into your house. I've been storing things of of treasures into your house. Now I want you to go get those treasures and bring them out to others. Oh, hallelujah. Can I tell you that if you've been in church for very long at all, you may not know it, but you've got a treasure room in your house that is packed to the brim full, packed full of treasures, that you've come to the temple and you've got treasures, service after service, And you've had conversations with other saints. And you've gotten treasures. And you've had prayer meetings. And you've gotten treasures. And you've taken those treasures. And you've brought them into your house. And Jesus is telling some people, you've been instructed. You've been discipled. You you can answer these questions. You can talk about me to other people. You just need to go in there and get some of those treasures that you've been storing up. Some of them are new and some of them are old. But you need to go get some of those treasures and start bringing them out of the treasure room into the living room and into the dining room where some neighbors are and some coworkers are and some lost family members are and bring the treasures out. Amen. Bring the treasures out. Bring it forth. Stand with me if you would, please. This is what we know. This is what we know well, Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Man, we get that. It's funny because for a lot of people, this is like one of the crazy parts of the Bible that they don't understand at all. And For apostolics, this is the thing we understand sometimes more than anything else. Filled all the house where they were sitting, there appeared in them cloven tongues like a fire, sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. We get that. We understand that. But we also need to know Acts two at forty six. And 47, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness, singleness of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And we also need Acts 5 and 42, and daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. We got to have that too. We can't say that Acts 2. We can't say that the beginning is the, one of the, the most significant and important things that a person will ever do in their life. And that 2 and 38 is the the most concise understanding of how to be saved that is in all of Scripture. We can't say that, but then not say that the other stuff that goes on in Acts 2 is not also extremely vital. It has to be. It has to be. It has to be. And so, so we're looking. We're looking to be a church that has the temple. That has this place. And we look, and think about it, folks. In, 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 in the daily in the temple and house to house. Now, there's some discussion over exactly all that, what that means. But we're almost to the point around here now where this place is used daily. There's ministry going on here a lot. So we're getting really good at this. And there's nothing about everything I'm teaching, there's nothing about it that says we need less of this. Or this is less important, or that this is going to become unnecessary. It's and house to house. In conjunction with, in addition to, as a teammate of, we also have house to house. Amen. So we're looking to be able to have connect point house churches in our communities. But we don't get to just decide, yeah, okay, sign me up. We got to make sure that we are we are a place where God is. That we are a place where ministry happens. That we are a place where the light is shining. Right? right. That we are a place who understands, here your Israel, the Lord, our God is one Lord. That we are a place who understands his statutes and his commandments and his judgments. Those things, those things have to be in place so that he can bless what we're endeavoring to do. And that's the only way we want to do it. That's the only way we want to do it, because if he doesn't bless it, it's not going to be effective. And we have to define effectiveness. You may be a very likable person. You may be one of those people that just has no problems, just chatting it up with everybody. You can talk to anybody. People just kind of drawn to you. That's wonderful. And you may be able to say, I'm ready to do it right now, Pastor. You know what? I don't need to wait anymore. I think I can do it. I'm going to start having house church in my house this week, and you might have 20 people there next week, 30 people. You might have 50 people. But is it effective? Gathering is not the end. The number is not the end. Who had the most people? That's not what it's about. It's the effectiveness. Are people's lives being eternally changed? That's the goal, right? And one is worth it all. Amen. Amen. Amen? One is worth it all. Amen. Everybody said, Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also, don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you, and we hope you have a great week.